Welcome to 10Q Interview. With the summer holidays upon us, the format is changing slightly for August. The episodes will be a lot shorter, but they'll pack a real mighty punch. This week you will hear advice and wisdom from David Pullen, Danny Miranda, James Sandbrook and Yuri Shielders. Now, on to the podcast. David Pullen, Storyteller. If someone came up to you and said they wanted to uh, supercharge their storytelling, or you know they really want to get better at it, what what would be? I guess the advice could be really. I mean, you've covered it as well, I suppose. But I mean, the the advice could be hindered. But from a starting point, what would what would be your? What would you say to them? I think there are two things. One to do. One is to do with performance of, of a story, and the other one is to do with is, is to do with the structure of story, and it comes back to that second element of the ABT, the but. Find the problems in your story, because as human beings, we are fascinated by, you know, we're fascinated by people overcoming stuff, and and you know, find the find the problem got in the that got in the way, because we want to, we, storytelling. I think we should see it almost as something that we as humans love, which is problem solving. It's like, how did they get out of that one? And going back to your thing about Star Wars and Jaws and every great film is like, how are they going to get out of this one? So I think find the problem in your story. I I, I sometimes say say story and, and, and make it a big <laughs> make it a big butt. <laughs> find the Maybe. big butt in your stories stories love big butts. There you go. So, <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's find a problem in your story. Don't just make it a oh I did this and then I did this and then I did this and everything was great. Because that's a story, it's a sequence of events, it's just a really dull story. Find the I went to the shops this morning, I bought a loaf of bread, I came home, I made some toast, and then I got on with the day. It's a story. I went to the shops, I went to the, bought a loaf of bread, came home, opened it up, and every single slice was moldy. So I had to think to myself, so what else am I going to eat for breakfast? And I found some porridge. You know, suddenly there's a problem you're overcoming. So the first thing is find the problems in your story, make them problems that people can relate to and yeah. overcome them. Then the second thing is, Get over yourself. Just become a, you know, become become more of a. Tell that story with feeling. Allow people. Yeah. A great story allows people to see what is happening. A good story allows people to see what's happening. A great story allows people to feel what is happening, and that will only happen if you're if if you're feeling it as well. I, I want to go back to your first point around problems. Yeah, and. So we we kind of were introduced by LinkedIn, where we both spend a fair amount of time looking at content. <laughs> and th- there's a big saying in social media about authenticity. Yeah. And what I find really, really strange is your point about problems actually fits very, very well with authenticity, right? We're Not one of us is smashing it every single day. And, you know, we, many of us have businesses or are in content channels or we have problems day to day, all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the social media landscape, not people don't really highlight that. Right. There's a, there's a lot of people who want to no. talk about the positives all the time or the wins yeah. they've got or the Lamborghini they're driving or the, the whatever. And I had this with a previous guest. We were talking about this. Who She worked in social media and I was saying, why are people not actually sharing the problems more? And now you've told me that just kind of amplifies that thought process because mm. 
where, where's the balance, right? Because obviously, if my business is failing or I can't sell anything for love nor money or whatever, yeah, I sort of don't want to necessarily. That's a problem. Yeah, where where's that balance, or how do we adopt that into us into our? We'll use LinkedIn as a thing, but or any of our content, because mm. I know you're right in what you're saying that people love that and they love people to be in adversity and actually, I don't know, some weird human thing. We love seeing people in in trouble. Yeah, yeah and we do. I guess from the underdog perspective, you then want the underdog to come out of it and win. That's the key. That's the key. Yeah, I think it's the key between it, it, and it and it and it and it's what would make the difference between social media and therapy. Save the yeah. save the. I'm not selling anything for your ther- therapist. I mean, go and deal with that there and pay you 150 bucks an hour or whatever it is to actually sort of offload that yeah. there. There was a saying that I saw the other day. Somebody put it up, and I can't remember, and it really upsets me that I can't. Somebody said, speak from the scar, not from the wound. And I just oh, think I like that, that is a, that's really good, isn't it? You know, there's a, I've got yeah. a scar from this, but you know what? I recovered, and this is how I did it. But if you're speaking from the wound of like, oh, God, this is terrible. I don't know what I'm going to be then. Yeah, so, I mean, that's I think that I think that's the key. Show you, well, Jaws, you know, great scene in Jaws where they're showing the scars to each other and where they got the, you know, oh, this is where I got this one. And, and it's, uh, you know, people love a good scar story. They don't necessarily want to see the wound story. Danny Miranda, podcaster. What's the best piece of advice you've ever heard? I was struggling with this one when I was thinking about this one last night. Okay. Um, we re- uh, let's reframe it then. Right, we've got someone listening to this who is thinking they want to start a podcast or a YouTube channel or something. They want to interview people. What would be your advice to them? It takes longer than you think it does. Um, but and and constantly to ask yourself, are you getting enjoyment from this process? Mm. I think that's just like and it's okay to say no. It's okay for for not to for you not to get enjoyment from it. Like and you don't have to do something for 10 years. Like you can quit things. That's completely fine. That's allowed in life. And not to beat yourself up for that. The reason why I keep coming back to podcasting is because like this is inherently what I feel as if I was put on this earth to do. And so yeah. I don't, I think, the, I think yeah. the enjoyment factor gets forgotten about very often. Yeah. Right. You know, you sort of see whether it's yourself or whether it's Rogan or, you know, like in YouTube, like the Casey Neistats of, of this world. And you think, oh, do you know, what? I'd love to do that. But actually, not everyone, when you actually go and do it, not a lot of people do enjoy it. And I guess that is why most people quit after three or four episodes of podcasting. Yeah. And, and like you, I actually, I was chatting to someone about this the other day. I actually enjoy doing this. Yeah. And if it never got beyond uh, like a significant um, listeners or significant mm-hmm. whatever, I don't think I'd really care. Like I kind of quite... I don't know what my goal is from this. I don't, I've got no idea what yours is, but I quite enjoy doing it. So if, if nothing comes of it financially or um, clout worthy, then I, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. Yeah. But that, to your point, right, I enjoy doing it, which is kind of the most important factor of it all. Well, Gary Vaynerchuk has said before that he doesn't think about growing something until he's been doing it for two years. And I was okay. like, oh, that's wild. Right. That's wild to think about. That's like, that's, 
I was like, okay, now we're at the two year mark. Like this is when it starts, you know, to grow it to, and it's also like with the three or four episode thing, I think that it's important to do it long enough so that you know, you don't like it. Yes. It's not fair to go to the gym three times and say, I don't like working out or I don't like doing this specific type of exercise. Mm. But if you do it a hundred times, if you lift weights a hundred times and then you're like, this isn't for me, you then I believe chance, you. you. Exactly. You yeah. need to give the thing a chance for it to fester into something you enjoy doing. And you shouldn't expect to enjoy doing it the first a hundred times you do anything. You shouldn't expect to enjoy your first 100 meditation sessions, your first 100 times lifting weights, your first 100 yoga, your first 100 podcasts, your first 100 YouTube videos. Don't expect to enjoy that. But then if you don't enjoy 101, I actually believe you in the yeah. sense of you you don't like doing that thing. It Do gives you, ask, you much more credibility. Yeah, great. Well, credibility. That's what I was going to say. You speaking, it reminded me of, um, I listened to a podcast once where they were talking about being guests on it right and the guy was saying he goes i will not go on a podcast that's not had more than 10 episodes and they're like because i want to know that they are taking it seriously that they enjoy it that they are actually mm. doing it and i think that's important right because there'll be people who are trying to get guests on their podcasts straight out episode one and two and three and struggling and think oh god like no one wants to talk to me or no one wants to come on my podcast but time is precious for a lot of people and they want to realize that actually it's just not a waste of their time. Yeah. I, I've said to somebody before who's an incredible, would be an incredible podcaster, great listener, communicates really well. I was like, I'll be episode 10. And that was, you know, Did now six there? months ago, you know, like just never, never got anything from them because, yeah. you know, Either they didn't enjoy doing it, they didn't have the discipline. Like I didn't have the discipline to keep doing things at thirteen. Like they're just not in that part of their journey where they could just say they're going to do something and do it. And it's a shame because it's wasted talent. It's wasted um, just like learnings from people. And so I I feel that. And I think Seth Godin said he he'll go on any podcast that's done it a hundred times. Which reminds me, I need to. Reach out to Seth well, there Godin. There you go. There's your guest. Uh, yeah. You you had me, Stephen Bartlett. I got to re-reach out to as well. So let me write these down. <laughs> You're helping me, Chris. Well, You're helping me a lot. Stephen Bartlett. He 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 comes to the states every now and again for um. He did a few. He did an LA version where he. Uh, I can't remember who he got on now. Yep. But he did Lewis Howes. I yeah. I saw that. I'm not a bunch of a bunch of people. Um. I would do it virtually with him as well. So you got to re-reach out to him because he, he has if, agreed to the podcast in the past. If he messaged you and said, Danny, I'll do it, but you got to jump on a plane to London. Are oh, you in? Well, Chris, it's almost like you... I'm getting chills right now. Yeah, this is so weird. So I've never told this story before or maybe once or twice. Stephen Bartlett wanted or had agreed to come on the podcast before. Okay. He's got a team of like, I don't know, 10 to 20 people. And so it's very hard to schedule with him for him to come on. Yes. Um, he ended up, I had it scheduled with him 
the podcast to do it at a certain time, a few different times. Him, him huh. to come on your podcast. Him to come on my podcast virtually like three or four different times, but okay. it fell through. It didn't work out and he didn't come on. But then one day I get a message or a calendar invite for me to be invited to a Stephen Bartlett uh, taping of Diary of a CEO. Okay. And I was like, I don't understand what this is about. Like he, he has a 10 to 20 person team. Yeah. And so I must have accidentally been invited to his taping. I bought a plane ticket and was ready to get on the plane to London to attend this taping. But the email got deleted. Oh, and the, no. the calendar invite got deleted. So I took that as like, all right, like they noticed. But I was like, oh my God, like I'll, I would actually, I was actually about to show up if the invite had not got deleted. And uh, it's funny. It's so funny that you bring up like, would you get on a plane to see Stephen Bartlett? The answer is yes. And I was about to do it. And I wasn't even the one that was supposed to interview him. <laughs> James Sandbrook, filmmaker. Someone came up to you and said they wanted to, I'll let you take this where you want, either start a video marketing agency or start a YouTube channel. What would be, what, what would you say to them? Well, I think the most, the most common desire is to start a YouTube channel. I'm not sure yeah. that many people, generally the route people go for making their own video agency is they've learned how to use a camera. They're a yeah. camera operator in a bigger business and they go out on their own freelance. That's kind of typical. Um, I would say, uh, in fact, if you wanted to do either, I would start a YouTube channel. Like if I okay. had, if I had time on my hands, or if I could do it all again, I would probably start a YouTube channel that was about making videos and my journey of learning to make videos, because that probably right. would have been set set me up better uh, for um, for running human. Um, I my advice would be: don't overthink it. Just do it. Just make. Or, or, or make you know half a dozen to a dozen videos and then see how you feel about it yeah because my guess is a lot of people will make one or two they never actually hit upload or they do and they don't get any results because they've got no audience yeah like you've got to just keep posting to understand how it works yeah. right and then all of a sudden you'll get one video that does really well and you'll be like huh and then you'll notice that a load of followers like join you and then when you hit a thousand, you can monetize it. And so, you know, every so often I get a little check for 30 quid from, uh, from YouTube and, you know. What was the first video you remember that did that? That really took off was, it was the second video I ever made. It was the, it was the Can It Chase one, which still, oh, okay. still performs now, still brings in a lot of views now. Um, so, yeah, I just think, you know, do, but also I, I call it a gateway, like find something that you really care about yeah. and that you're really interested in and make videos around that. Um, so it might be like looking behind you, like model cars. It might be, yeah. it might be that you're like obsessed with reading or yeah. cookery, but just find your gateway, find the thing that you care about. And then making the videos becomes a lot easier because you'll find your audience naturally. You know. I think a lot of people don't believe there's an audience out there. Don't like if they said, "Oh, you know, I want to do about model cars." The beauty of YouTube and the internet is, oh, there's an there audience for everything. Real there's engagement. some right weirdos out there. Like, 
there's, you know, there's some really niche channel. To give you an example, the channel that Nick works on uh, makes rap videos, like nerdcore rap videos about computer games, and they've got nearly three million subscribers. Wowzers! And every time I watch one of the, I'm like, I don't get this. It's just, it's like Minecraft rap. It's yeah. just odd. But a big audience for it, and the guy makes a hell of a lot of money from it. So just find your thing. Write that about. one down in my ideas book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rap videos about marketing. <laughs> yeah. Never know, mate. Yeah, Never well, know. Well, I might write that one down myself. Yuri Shoulders, YouTuber. If someone came up to you and said they wanted to create a YouTube channel of their own, what would you tell them? Apart from nobody cares. <laughs> I, I, that would not be my first one. That would only come out when they say, oh, I'm really afraid and if I look stupid. Actually, let me ask you a different question. Has anyone seen your content and asked you that question as a result? As in, maybe, as in maybe, I maybe want to start a YouTube channel? Yeah, maybe a friend or a family member or... All the time. And, and you, actually, they're usually not people I know. They're, they're often a, uh, hey, my my mate here also wants to start a YouTube channel and I thought you two should uh, should chat like I have nothing to do with my time, which I find interesting. Um, you two should chat. And and before, if I had some time, I would go like, yeah, you know, I'll get on a call with somebody I didn't know and just they would ask me questions. How do you get started? What kind of camera? And, and then I realized it is that of the, let's say, eight conversations I had with people who said they wanted to start a channel, none of them did anything with it. Zero. Zero got off the ground, which then pissed me off a bit because like, now I'm just wasting my time. Yeah. So I, now I flip it around. Somebody comes to me and says, oh, you know, I would love to start a YouTube channel um, and you know, I'd like to pick your brain. I'd like to grab you for a coffee and just, just I'll go, okay. So I'll make you a deal. You set up a channel and you, you upload the first 12 videos. Once you have 12 videos up, you can call me again. And just by saying that, 99% will disappear because it will never. Because they that first video, for the same reasons as we've been talking about, it won't get off the ground. The flip side is, by the time somebody does have 12 videos up, they already have immense learning and immense hurdles they've had to overcome just to do this. Yep. How do you record a video? Okay, how do I get this video from my phone to my laptop? How do I upload a video? So they've already have done a lot of work. And now you've got something to play with. Yep. So anything... Anybody that comes up with just an idea, I wish, you know, get, get something started. Unless you have something out there, I'm not even going to lift it. I'm just going to ignore you. If you want my attention, I'll help you. But get your first 12 videos up. So that would be my advice. I want to start a YouTube channel. Cool. You can start tomorrow. Tomorrow, you can set up. Tonight, you can set up a channel. Pick a name for it. Just call it Chris Hutchings Crazy Ideas Channel. And then and then record 12 videos. I don't care if they're short or long form. 12 videos uh, and put them up. Once you have that, you can call me again. I'll happily sit down with you and tell you what I want, what, what, what you want to know. Until that time, no, I won't do anything because I'll be wasting my time and so are you. So that would be my advice. Just, just, just do it. Get something out there. Nobody's going to watch it anyway, but then at least you got something started <laughs> and then you got your channel, you know how to do it. And then from there, look at that. You got a beautiful platform, a springy platform yeah. for which you can take it to the next level. And there's always going to be next level. My first subscriber was a big deal. My first 100 subscribers did a video. Thank you for the 100 subscribers. I did one for 666, number of the devil. I did one for 1,000. That was like a big, big deal. Then I broke 5,000. I got my first um, 
sponsorship. So Rode sent me a, a microphone and a real cool cap and stuff. Like, can you review some of our stuff? You want to use that? You know, the first money I made, my first ten dollars I made from a bit of ad revenue. All these things are like small milestones. Yeah. Um, and I want to create a little scrapbook, by the way, of all these little things, like my first troll comment, my first, uh, <laughs> you know, dislike, my first, all that stuff. They're, they're all part of a journey. And at the end of the day, you know, the journey is always much more interesting than the, than the destination.